You are listening to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast. Here are your hosts, Trevor Mueller and Jake Grant. Washington has their worst half in recent memory, going to 21-0 at half. The first two quarters were riddled with missed tackles and a stagnant offense. The Huskies stormed back in the second half, scoring 24 unanswered points, while the defense turned the Utes over four times and giving up zero points in the second half capping the impressive comeback win with under a minute left. This is Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast from Sports Illustrated Husky Maiman Channel. My name is Trevor Mueller. He's Jake Grant, and we are like Bailey and Bailey. I'm biased towards Bailey's. I don't know, man. I can't. And they, 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 just, they just don't do it for me, dude. <laughs> I don't know. I, I got, All I can see is bad images of Bailey's in my head, and I don't know. <laughs> About. So, I, I mean, all of Husky Nation is real mad at you Ooh, right now. Mario Walter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's my bad. I, yeah. was thinking, I was thinking movies, and then as soon as you said uh, Husky Nation, I was like, oh, boy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, obviously, we had Walter Bailey on. You can't do that to me, though. You can't go, like, 47 movie quotes – in a row and then all of a sudden just expect me to turn it around and revert back to husky football friends of the pod both of them both we have had both on and both are they're they're both in my top three of interviews i love yeah very very good speakers and actually had two different uh takes on that 1990 game uh with losing when you know mario bailey is still bitter that they didn't uh win the national championship that year. And then in turn, he thinks because they lost that game, they weren't unanimous where Walter Bailey really saw it as it was one of those things where they never wanted to have that feeling again, which really segues really well into the game that Washington just played because last night against the Utes, that was the game where Washington, who has a lot of talent, is young, is uh, learning, you know, this new coaching staff, that's a loss that, you know, could sit in, sit in their stomachs and make them mad for the next year and a half, two years. Yeah. But instead, they won the game because they came back in the second half knowing they never wanted to feel unprepared again. Jake, what are your thoughts? You know, that's – and that's a really good point. Um, my, my thought about after that game was over – and I finally had a chance to relax for a second, get my thoughts straight. Um, Jimmy Lake gets interviewed, right? And he is so pumped because that was, for the first time, we'd seen kind of adversity for Jimmy Lake's program, his, his head coaching program. If you even think back to last year when he coached the, what was it, the Holiday Bowl against Boise State? He didn't State? coach that. Oh, he didn't. I thought, oh, you're right. It was Chris Peterson, my bad. Okay, so in his, in his really young coaching profession he's never really had to come back in a fourth quarter deficit so first time right and and not just a a second quarter or second half deficit but 21 to nothing where your team looks absolutely stifled by utah utah's winning the the defensive battle they're winning the line of scrimmage battle i mean there were plays that i was watching our defensive linemen get pushed back three four yards which doesn't help your linebackers. We all know that. That's just defense 101, right? The, 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 the game of football is won on the line of scrimmage, and they were winning. And, um, you know, for Jimmy Lake's football team to come back and for Washington to play the way that they did right out of the gate in the second half was really impressive. And that is a well-coached, really young, but well-coached football team. They came out a little cold. And Jimmy Lee got on them, and they started executing, and they started playing football. And that is a sign of a good coach and disciplined players. And that's what I took away from this game. So there's a couple of things that I want to highlight that you just said. But before I get there, <clears throat> the last time Washington came back from a deficit of 21, I was a year old. You were two years old. Yeah. 1988, down 21. Yeah. That's the second largest point differential they've been down to come back to win. Uh, of course, 24 is, is the Washington record. Yeah. Um, just 
unbelievable watching that second half. But one of the, a couple of things I want to highlight that you said, um, talking about Jimmy Lake as a coach, um, you didn't see him on the sidelines um, panicking. Um, there was, we're going to get into some of the calls, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball that didn't work out in the second, in the first half. Yeah. But from your leader, from the guy who's the emotional, the, the energy absolutely feeds from Jimmy Lake, which is different from what Washington fans have been used to for the last six or seven years. Right. Um, he was not coach Sark on the sidelines screaming and yelling when they're losing. It was, Jimmy Lake being calm, and then when the things when they started punching, you saw the uh, the emotions start to come out. And that's a really um, good point, Trev. That's a really good point because Chris Peterson has come out and outright said, "I'm not the energy guy. I'm the X's and O's guy. I I put my energy on my players, and when those players don't bring the energy, then it's a real shame in this team. I mean, we saw it last year in Stanford, right? And yeah. it live in person. Chris Peterson's not rallying the troops because he didn't believe that that was his job. Well, Jimmy Lake is a guy that's going to rah-rah, not a lot, but he's going to rah-rah in situations like we saw on Saturday where these guys are coming back and they're making a game of it. And he's going to get these guys fired up because he knows that now we're in the chance to win this game and these guys need to get pumped up. We need this defense pumped up and we need this offense to go out there and score some points. Yeah. And you just look at this coach, Coach Jimmy Lake, um, the team really reflects his poise um, because we saw we saw many players get pushed back in the first half, play poorly in the first half, come back in the second half and play better. And that comes straight from that head coach who uh, just exudes um, confidence. Yeah. And that dude wakes up in the morning and pisses excellence. Hey, he's the, he's the Ricky Bobby of the Pac-12. So let, let's hope he, he's not checkers or wreckers, though. <laughs> I mean, I can live with checkers, you know. Ricky Bobby was a winner. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, uh, but, but really focusing in first on that first – I don't know what to do with my hands. Uh, really focusing in on that first half, a couple of things that um, – we can start on the offensive side, I think, because it's, it's the one that's probably easiest was uh, – we both understand the importance of a, a strong running game. I mean, it's won them two games this year. Right. Um, but, at, and, and against Oregon state, obviously the playbook was not diverse. It was very simple and it was frustrating to watch at some points where, you know, you're getting, you're just chunking yards and then, uh, you know, it, it's really unimaginative. And then obviously last week ops, absolute domination. And, but in this game, the, establishing the run wasn't working and I can't tell you how many times there were we're watching this game and it's a second and 10 and it's it's a run up the middle going nowhere I I, I can't even tell you how many times that happened throughout the game yeah what did you think about the offense in the first half very stale um yeah. like you mentioned uh the surprising part I think to not just me but to a lot of Husky fans out there is the lack of Richard Newton in that offense. Hey, it wasn't um, played at all. Not, not a snap. And I think it, it, my point on that, and I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this, is after the first couple of possessions, they tried Kamari, and they've been pretty steady with this all year, right? They, they start with Kamari, then they move to Sean McGrew, and then they'll sprinkle in some Richard Newton here and there. After the first couple of possessions, after the, uh, the Kamari Pleasant and the Sean McGrew, the coaching staff realized that we are not winning this line of scrimmage battle and we are getting pushed back and we're not going to win with running in between the tackles because there's nowhere to go. As big as these offensive line guys are for Washington, they just were not getting – they weren't getting the holes that they are used to getting in, in games previous, the two weeks previous. So – a running back like Richard Newton that is a between-the-tackles runner. He has that breakout speed, but he does run between the tackles, was not going to win you this game. What was, was going just, to oh, – go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it, honestly. Yeah, I – obviously Utah – Utah's Washington of the South. We've talked about that for a few years now is yeah. 
they play really good defense and and they're going to take away your biggest weapon if they can and utah we all knew it was going to happen we didn't know it was going to be this apparent is how much better they were from week one to week two right and that defense i mean if utah if week two utah goes and plays usc they win the game yes um so i mean they were stat there was eight nine in the box and they refused to let that happen. Um, it's not that Washington decided not to keep trying it because they, they were really stubborn in, in getting rid of it, even in the second half when, when Washington was able to start to move the ball. But still, I, at some point, and I know it's just his third game, when they put nine in the box, Dylan Morris has to, um, and he did in the second half, he has to punish defenses for that. Uh, with Richard Newton, I have no idea. It seems like, uh, you know, you, you look at it, Pleasant with 12 carries, Sean McGrew with seven carries, and then, of course, Cam Davis has two, and Terrell Bynum has two end-arounds. Yeah. Um, that's less than what you've been seeing. Of course, the situation of the game later uh, didn't predicate as many runs. Right. But uh, I'd, be, I'd be at least interested to see understand why Richard Newton didn't touch the ball um, or see the field on the other side of it. You had um, Devin Culp made an opinion. He was uh, in on some snaps and Tulila Tua Gasanoa was also on the field as well. Is he nicked up? I don't know. I don't see how a Richard Newton wouldn't be a weapon regardless of what um, defense you're playing. Yeah. And I agree. Um, I, I, moving on to, to the rest of the game, though, um, Utah. We talked about Utah changing things for the second game, right? They they change they change how they played defensively. They got after the quarterback a lot more. Um, they still have turnover issues, and Washington was able to collect on those, and for the most part, to capitalize on those. There was a turnover late in the fourth quarter. We were down, I think, four. Yep, and they fumbled on the like the seven yard line, yeah. and I think we gained like two first downs and had to punt. Um, that was frustrating. But other than that, the the turnovers that we did get from them, we were able to capitalize. The turnovers what won us that game. The first half, we were the ones that turned it over. Dylan Morris threw two. The first interception was a horribly thrown ball. That was the worst throw he's thrown in his career. And yeah hands down all i mean mm-hmm. yeah he had an underneath defender and over defender under the over the top defender and he had the you guy in even, the yeah you weren't even close to splitting them <laughs> and even if you had split them i still think you would have had to put too much ball on the or air on the ball that he still wouldn't have been able to catch it in bounds so yeah. that and was there was, loop, there was some was yards to gain on the ground on that play as well right yeah. but then you saw in the second half utah start and and that is a recipe for disaster if you're a team up 21 to nothing and you all of a sudden start to turn the ball over like hotcakes that is not a good that's not a way to win football games and they're gonna have to address that this week immediately and a lot of that is probably on Bentley putting balls where and and I think that's where UW really got to Bentley was making him get out of the pocket and slide to his right and to his left and try to make throws. Yeah, he can't do that well. Just like um, Gebbia on the run does not treat him real well. Um, Dylan Morris, on the other hand, I do like what he does on the run. Yeah, of- I think that you're going to see them get him out of the pocket more. Uh, yes. and, and to your point about the defense, the defense was still able to create turnovers even in that first half. Um, Zion, uh, is ETF yeah, having that? That big sack strip um, with Sermon getting the recovery. But defensively, I mean, obviously that's the worst half of tackling we've seen at the University of Washington going back a long, long ways. Um, There was some really, really bad play. However, there were some blitzes that were dialed up that uh, were absolute swing and misses where – Utah exploited exactly where the guy came from. There was one in the first series where Alex Cook – came flying yeah. through and, and and you know on a passing situation that probably works but they had the perfect play call it was a pitch to the left side right where uh his safety position was and the guy ended up chunking it so yeah. uh, i think that 
you know, the defensive staff also had to kind of, you know, when it comes to tackling, I mean, that's a, that's a character thing that Washington definitely showed that they have character. Um, But some of the scheme that they, they also had to, they had to tweak when it came to how they were attacking this Utah offense. Um, Obviously um, the, the, the adjustments they made at halftime worked because uh, you know, Utah was able to still move the ball pretty efficiently uh, on the ground. Um, but Washington stopped them when they needed to. And then, of course, turned the ball over. Uh, the first one being the Elijah Molden pick. And then that that uh, fumble that uh, Kyler Gordon uh, just smashed that guy. Put, yeah. put his head right on the ball. Pops out perfectly for Zion, who is able to lumber his way around the 50-yard line. You love to see it. And there was there was nobody, when I realized that that was Kyler Gordon that made that play, there was nobody I was happier for in the world because this podcast was very critical of Kyler Gordon last year. Yeah. Just like this podcast, outside of being in the podcast, you and I are very critical of Jackson Sermon this year. Um but seeing Kyler Gordon come out there and put a helmet on a ball and, and create a turnover was exciting to see. Um, we mentioned uh, Jackson Sermon in a, in a private text message between our, ourselves. And I'm not big on uh, name dragging for players at the University of Washington. I, I'm not a big mud guy. I don't appreciate guys that do that. But with that being said, the guy has missed quite a few tackles this year. Um, it, it quite a bit of times you see when a linebacker's playing, he's always running to the ball. Jackson Sermon, a lot of times seems like he's kind of waiting for the ball carrier to come to him. And I think that might be have that might have something to do with why he is missing quite a few tackles or getting kind of ran through. Um, I'm interested to see what either he fixes or what the coaching staff tries with him or with other people throughout the year. Because this defense is super talented, and I'd hate to see a middle linebacker keep missing tackles in this defense. He's one of those guys that um, he's probably half of his quarters have been really, really good looking, uh, and then the other half have not. His first half was pretty atrocious, and obviously the Oregon State game we know. Um, But his second half, he played better. Uh, It just – you're you're right. I mean, we we root for every – Husky player and and you know we hope that it gets turned around we're just seeing we're 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 not going to sugarcoat things either um he looks a step slow and uh, a little bit on his heels and that that's obviously something he's a really talented player he's uh highly regarded he's obviously I mean he's keeping guys on the sidelines right now that are very highly rated prospects yeah so he has talent and I'm sure he can put it together and he's shown he can um I think it's the consistency of a young player um it doesn't help his case that the guy on the other side is you know Edifanu Lafuccio who's playing like an all-american Right. I, I almost wonder if he's almost in his head too much where, you know, he, he's thinking he's instead been, of reacting. Yeah, exactly. You know, everybody says he's this big hard hitter, you know, mm-hmm. he wears the neck roll, which traditionally means that's the thumper. Yeah. Um, I almost wonder if he's, he's afraid of leading with his helmet and getting ejected from the game and maybe never getting a spot back because Tafisi comes in and plays lights out. Did you see that hit that Tafisi put on special teams? I thought he killed the dude. That, and speaking of killing the dude, the end of the first half when the camera guy got ran over, I was like, oh, my God, he's dead. And then he didn't move, and I was like, oh, my God, he might actually be dead. Like, that, I've never seen such a vicious – because, I mean, that guy was not – he had no idea it was coming, and he did not brace himself at all. No. He went straight on his head. That actually – my wife was like – is he okay? And yeah. I had to like start scouring Twitter to figure out if that guy was okay, which he was. Right. Um, but that, that was, that was really scary. Cause yeah. you know, he, the, the guy fell on top of him and the, uh, the runner started patting him on the leg, like apologizing. <laughs> yeah, and on, like, there was no movement and everybody like stopped him from moving. So it was like, yeah. Oh my God, we could be looking at a massive neck injury or something. And yeah. thankfully he was okay. He ended up, uh, apparently he was walking around after that. So that was good. Cause that was scary. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, ended, you know, a really weird, really bad first half ended really strangely. Um, and then obviously uh, we're going to get into a little bit more of the fun part of this game when we come back from thanking our sponsors. And our sponsors, first up, Tammy Cotton, State Farm agent for the Seattle and Friday Harbor area. Jake's favorite cotton in the, oh, I don't know, after last week, she might be second favorite because we're going to get into other cotton here in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Also, Mercury. Also, Mercury Coffee. Uh, Trevor has been there. I have not. I don't travel south very often, so it's hard for me to find them. But Trevor swears by them, man. Go If you're a coffee guy or girl, um, go check out Mercury Coffee. He says the atmosphere there is top notch. Check them out. The nicest baristas you're going to find. The greatest ownership, uh, organic coffee really really good coffee it's more of the acidic kind that's really really tasty and then what sets them apart is their bakery and sandwiches Ooh, i could go down there for some bakeries uh i i did i i don't know if i told you in the last one but i asked the barista uh like there was like a, a savory like pastry and a ham sandwich and she goes don't get either of those get this and it was turkey with like pepper jack and pep and like peppers oh my god uh she i i i wanted to give her a tip so bad but she wouldn't accept it you know uh, i'm a eater man <laughs> it was good for me <laughs> jake let's get to turning points let's please your offensive turning point of the game uh yeah thirteen thirty-seven left in the third quarter uh i think we're both on the same page here uh, first drive of the second half, um, third, our first third down, third and four, and we go to my – probably my 1A. We go to, we go to my cotton, Kate. Tammy or Kate, who is it? Oh, I don't know. For our first for, uh, third down conversion of the night. Um, and really, you hadn't seen a whole lot of Kate Otten in the first half. Um, and then that kind of sparked that offense. And, and it almost later in the game – you know, we, we started getting our rhythm with, with Cotton, and we started kind of force-feeding him the ball. And later in the game, they started to double-team him, and he still was making catches left and right. The dude has the most unbelievable hands in the world. I was sitting there with my brother-in-law. We've had him on the podcast before, huge Ohio State fan. Um, we are sitting there watching, and he's like, this dude is out here catching every ball with no gloves on and getting draped on. Yeah. He, he, he doesn't drop balls ever. If they, if, if he can get his hands on him, he's going to catch. So that for me was getting that rhythm, get, finding that first, first down and getting comfortable with that offense and moving forward from there. Because if we don't, if we don't get that first down right there, I don't think we win this game. Because oh, you're not gonna, a chance. You're going to see more of the same, right? Yeah. You're going to just see this offense stagnant and hurting you who's going to say that Utah's not going to go down and score and put the game away right there. So we, we collect a couple plays later. I think it's two plays later. We hit, um, um, Bynum down the sideline on a nice. Oh, with big round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, yeah. Good. That was a decent ball by Morris. That too. That's probably his best one. Yeah. That was a great ball. Yeah. So, I mean, either one of those plays really could be the turning point, but I'm going to pick cotton for, for the turning point. What about the defensive side of the turning points? So obviously it's in the second half, the, the whole game turned on the D on in the second half. So three fifty-five left in the third Utah's driving into Washington territory and it's fourth and one. They've run the ball efficiently all game. Uh, uh, Mike Martin tweeted it best when he said, if you're a parent of a player that was on the field at that point, you're credited with a tackle because <laughs> dogs travel in packs. That was unbelievable. Uh, um, I can't even remember the guy's name. I'm so jacked up right now. Jake Bentley yeah. uh, takes the snap and he tries to sneak it and he's hit with a wall yeah. and he goes nowhere. They get the the turnover on downs and the comeback is on even more. And, is that uh, was that the play that Jake Bentley like tried to push it with his back to get back there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, <laughs> like, it turned it, around and <laughs> yeah. Like, nope. 
no, you already yeah, don't at that it. point there was there was defensive backs clawing at him to get him yeah. down. I mean, that was that was husky football, uh, like we were hoping to see. And man, uh, it really that's when I started believing, like, oh, well, if they go score here, it's a one score game, right? Um, and you know. <laughs> Uh, it, it's it's really interesting to look at this game after knowing the outcome uh there was just there there was some really weird things one thing we didn't it's not a turning point but you know that that really weird fourth and three or four where they end up taking the delay of game penalty yeah. moving their kicker oh, back you know pink henry back five yards and then missing the field goal like uh, there was just some really weird things that they were able to work out leading to these turning points that, uh, yeah, I mean, once they got that turnover, you're, you're starting to think like two score game, there's, there's still a quarter and change left. Like that's, that's not out of the realm of possibility if they can keep, uh, you know, Utah off the scoreboard. That, that delay of game was really frustrating to watch as a fan. Um, we had a chance to just kick the field goal and try to get within one score. And it was a fourth and what, three or four? Yeah, it wasn't close. It, it was too much for Race Porter to try to pick up. And Utah – Well, they were obviously trying to get him off sides. But, like, when you do that, don't you call a timeout? At right. Well, I mean, not if you want to save your timeouts, but – that was in the first half. What, what I didn't – what yeah. Well, what I didn't like was if you're going to run that with Race Porter, have it be like less than a yard, you know? Right. Really. I mean, that's the only chance that Race Porter is going to have to either pick that up or get somebody to jump off sides. But when it's three or four, that defense knows oh, this waiting. guy's not going to run past anybody or through anybody is a better term. Yeah. And they're either just trying to get us to jump or if they actually do run this, they're being dumb because we're going to, we're going to knock his head off. Right. And, and next time I see that, I'd like to see it be less than, less than a yard. Right. Cause I think it could work, but just not in that situation. Oh, absolutely. Uh, let's move on to grades. Yep. First, we're going to start with you on the offensive side of the ball. What do you give uh, the quarterback? Give him a B. Um, he had a really bad first half. If we're going to grade this, it's almost – we would almost have to grade first half versus second half, right? It, it, and that's kind of what you did because you probably gave him like a C- minus in D. the first half, D, mm -hmm. and then you gave him – Yeah, I mean, some of the throws – some of the throws were bad. Um, and I don't – I don't blame him for that interception that he threw. Um, oh, the Hail Mary? No, absolutely not. Not – not no, well, not even that, but the other the, – the, the fourth quarter one with – Oh, uh, the Ty Jones? Yeah, because I'd rather see him give a receiver a chance, right? In the first two games, he's been overthrowing guys to the point where they can't even get their hands on the ball. So he, he lays it up a little bit. He gives Ty Jones the hands. Ty Jones hits him with some alligator arms, like you're trying to catch an egg. You're 6'4". Go up and get the ball. Stop. Make the defender run into you. He's not looking. Or jump and go get the ball with your hands out. Right. Um. And I didn't hate that throw, to be honest. Uh, it, was a, it, it was a good call. It was a good throw. I mean, it wasn't a great throw. He underthrew him, obviously, but he gave his receiver a chance to go get it, and it just happened to hit the guy's back right to the safety. Um, right. But, but in the second half, yeah, I'm going to give him an A regardless of that interception because he was calm, he was cool, he was collected. He, won, he, he led the game-winning drive. Led the game-winning drive. So that's the why The most I'm important drive of the game he won. We right. love it. And you make you know what one another there's a couple of really important plays and, and I guess I'll give my grade my grade's a C plus it's similar to yours um, I I put a little bit more responsibility on that bad throw on him but uh, there was a couple of plays where he really showed some some stones uh, and and the first one was <laughs> the the snap where Wattenberg snapped it when nobody was ready right. and uh, I mean. Nine times out of ten, you drop that, you probably fall on it. He's yeah. cool enough to pick it up and throw a seven-yard gain to Kate Otten to set up a third and, like, three. It was uh, – that was a 
big time play. And then, you know, making a throw on fourth down and tight coverage. Uh, and then giving Puga Nakua a chance on that yeah. uh, fourth third down. down conversion where he it was dove. fourth down, wasn't it? Was that fourth down? Okay, yeah. So. Gave him a chance, and Puka made a play, yeah. which uh, I guess it's not going to lead us right into it, but let's talk running backs before. Well, let's talk uh, receivers. Okay. Um, what do you got for receivers? Because, uh, I mean, Puka, if no Puka Nakua, you don't win that game. Uh, without Puka Nakua, the wide receiver core gets an F for me. Uh, we already talked about Ty Jones giving the alligator arms. Um, we disagree on whose fault that – I mean, I don't think we disagree on whose fault that is. <laughs> we but, agree it was both of their faults. <laughs> right. But we put more blame on, you know, right. we kind of right. teeter on each other on that one. But uh, the reason that they get a get a CC minus is because of Puka making that phenomenal catch. I mean, that, that, that ball was as hard of a ball to catch as possible. And he stepped up in a big situation in that moment. Um, he had an all right day. Bynum had an all right day, especially with that deep ball. Um, other than that, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of receivers to be found, especially in the second half once we started rolling with Kate Otten. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, again, this, this game, I, I gave him a C as well. Uh, a couple of things. First off, you didn't see the rotation that you saw in previous games where, um, you know, uh, Roma Dunze was not on the field from what I saw. Uh, Marcus Spiker was in street clothes. So maybe that's uh, something that maybe that's why we haven't seen him. Uh, and then Jalen McMillan also didn't see the field. So you're really looking at uh, Bynum. Jordan Chin was in on some plays, uh, especially after Bynum uh, messed up his wrist a little bit, which it sounds like he's fine. But it was really, you know, Puka Ty Jones. And uh, Ty Jones, you know, after last week where he really – we thought he, we, he cemented himself as, as one of those go-to guys, didn't necessarily as a receiver have the day. He still was blocking well. But Pukunakoa, um, he had another drop, but – and it was, a, it was a little screen pass out to him where he was starting to run before he caught the ball. Um, yeah. He – after that drop, he had two – massive plays that led to Washington winning that game. There was one on the right side where he was in tight coverage. Uh, he knew he was going to get popped. He made the catch, got popped for a first down. And then, of course, diving perpendicular to the ground, parallel to the ground, making that catch. Uh, just just exactly what you want to see out of a, a guy who, in, in I think both of our opinions, is a budding star. Yeah. So that goes a long ways. Of course, he's overshadowed by – Kadon's amazing game, but again, this is a team sport, and uh, Washington doesn't win without those catches. Yeah, running back. Uh, I'm gonna give them a C minus, and the only reason I give them a C minus is because Kamari Pleasant had a touchdown. If it wasn't for that, it'd probably be a D plus. You're looking at McGrew leading the team in, in rushing yards with 36, Kamari with 34. Terrell Bynum had – I mean, he's not even a running back. He had two for 24. Yeah. And then he had Cam Davis with two carries for, what, one yard? One yard. Uh, that's that's just not going to do it. Uh, yeah. You got 71 yards on the ground with running backs, excluding Terrell Bynum. Um, it's a tough day for a team that takes pride in running the ball. You know, I there's no – there's. We know what the identity of this football team is, right? This offensive side of this of this right. football team. Washington wants to run the ball, and they did not successfully do it this game. So that's why they get a C minus. Yeah, I gave him a C because if you, if you look at it, I'm Sean McGrew had one carry for 26. He had six carries for 10 yards. That's uh, that that was tough. And and again, we know that Utah really was going to make sure that this running game was not going to beat them. Uh, but Kamari Pleasant, along with his 34 yards on 12 carries plus the touchdown, he did have, um, let's see here, four receptions for 33 yards. There was one who fell down before he get out of bounds in the uh, before the half, which was brutal. But then he makes the guy miss in that fourth quarter uh, and is able to get the first down and get out of bounds. And that was a huge play. So I gave him a C. Uh, Kamari Pleasant also, I, I understand why he plays now. He makes some good plays. The explosiveness of that top end back maybe isn't there, but he is a pretty good pass protector as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, that leads us to, you want to be tight ends? 
<laughs> I give the tight ends a D minus. Shut up. <laughs> they they don't they don't catch anything. Yeah. They you know they don't carry this offense. They certainly didn't catch the winning touchdown. They certainly don't catch winning touchdowns. Uh, Kate Otten, I eight catches for 108 yards. He's averaging 13 and a half yards <laughs> as a tight end. I mean they. It was so funny. He had two touchdowns. Obviously, he had the game-winning touchdown. We we touched on that. Um, what I love is he averaged 13 and a half yards, and his long was only 21. So, right. I mean, Everything if you think about right, that, he's a right first guy every time he touches the ball. Yeah. Um, I, it was so funny to me listening to the broadcasters just talk out the Utah tight end. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason he yeah. was picked first team all-conference and – you know, obviously they were, you know, they were talking Kate Otten up pretty well too, but Kate Otten showed his, 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 showed his colors in this game and he showed his, he's the tight end in this conference. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's, it's Kate Otten here and then the rest of the tight ends are a step below him. Dude doesn't yeah. drop a ball. He runs phenomenal routes. He's an extremely good blocker. I mean, he does everything well for the tight ends. In his post-game conference, he said he was a uh, he's an extra tackle who sometimes gets the ball thrown to him. Right. I mean, the dude is the coolest guy in the world, and he catches balls with no gloves. He is literally like a man crush Monday, right? <laughs> I don't know what else there is to say about the guy. What do you give? I give, oh, by the way, I give them an A. Yeah, I do too. Um, Kate Houghton has gotten to the point in his career where you start thinking about him historically. Yeah. And, uh, you know, talking with especially my dad, he, dad mentioned some players, you know, as, as much as like, there's some controversy around him. Jeremy Stevens. Rome's, yeah, Jer Jeremy Stevens. Yeah. Jeremy Stevens was a very good tight end, and he yes. started talking about him in that group yes. because Jeremy Stevens was a decent blocker as well. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the thing about Kate Otten is you think about like Mark Bruner yeah. uh, and some of the guys even before him who were just, I mean, fantastic smash mouth Washington football. Ernie Conwell. Blockers. Exactly. Uh, but then you look at some of the guys that have been more of your receivers. Um, Brian. Uh, Hunter Bryan, of course, but like, Hunter I think Bryan. like Austin Safarian Jenkins. Yes. Um, and then you think of the hybrids that have come through lately and it's Will Disley, Drew Sample, and now Kate Otten. And Kate Otten's the top of that group. And, and there's definitely an argument for him being possibly one of the best tight ends that's come through Washington. I, I don't disagree with that. Um, he has – it was so funny because they kept the, – again, the broadcast kept talking about Hunter Bryant last year being – you know, we lost this first-team all-conference tight end. We talked about it prior to the season. Me, personally, I would rather have Cotton on, on a team. If I'm a Washington coach and I'm looking at tight ends, I'm looking at Cotton 10 times out of 10 over Hunter Bryant. Hunter Bryant had a little bit of case of the drops. He was kind of a little bit of a messy route runner. Um, obviously, he's a physical freak, and he could he's do a home, I mean, he's a home run threat. Right. He, yeah. he had so much going for him. But if you really want to talk about a really well-rounded tight end that does everything for a program, Kate Otten is your guy. And yeah. he is going to potentially be a national, maybe not a first-team guy, but he could be – uh, an all-conference or an all you know a national team guy second was him and that guy from florida kyle yeah. something yeah um kate otten's looking for national recognition and he's going to get it and and here's the here's the rub you know 2020 is kind of a a, a special kind of year anyways but you look at um you know, the potential of him, he's probably a first or a second round pick. Yeah. Uh, in in his press conference after the game, Jimmy Lake said that one of his priorities is going to be recruiting him to stay around for the purple and gold. Um, who knows? You, you have to. 
I mean, I mean, yeah. you have to recruit. Uh, obviously, in the end, Lake's going to do what's best for him because I, there's first round, second round money out there for him. Oh, uh, I'd love to see see him back because if he comes back, that's a special group. Well, and I know he's an avid listener of the show, so if we just keep pitching K. Dot in 2021, maybe we can get him back. First tight end to win the Heisman. Hey, Kate Auden. <laughs> first in our hearts, first in the Heisman vote. <laughs> and finally on the offensive side, offensive line. I gave them a C plus. No, I didn't. You didn't. No. I, gave, I gave them a B. Yeah. Um, I, and after seeing your grade, I, I almost think that's a little bit too high. I might, I might jump on the C plus bandwagon here. Um, we didn't have a great day running the ball, which is what we want to do. Um, there were moments where Morris was getting pressured and he never did get stacked. I don't believe. No. So they kept him upright, but there were moments in the game where the Utah defensive line were definitely pushing our offensive line back into our running backs. And it's kind of the first time this year that we've not seen pure dominance out of our offensive line. Yeah, and I mean, Dylan Morris might not have been sacked, but he was definitely – He was pressured. Uh, yeah, he was definitely pressured. Yeah, um, but because this was the first time that our offensive line has kind of struggled this year and they didn't give up a sack, I'm going to go back to my B grade. I think – I mean, that's fair. Um, the offensive line was tasked with uh, stopping – more players on defense than there are on the offensive line right. uh, and coming downhill, stopping the run. And that's not a recipe for success. So uh, I'm going to stick with the C plus grade because I think they, they can, they're, they're giant humans that are really good at football. And uh, I, I know that they, while again, I don't recall any holding, uh, they nope. just um, – I know that they can play better on uh, in, in both uh, run protection and pass protection. Sure. Um, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. Okay. Defense. Defensive line. What do you give the grades? Um, I'm going to give the interior line a, a C overall. Um, I thought that there were some really good plays throughout the first and second half. Fatu Tuitele looked really good to start, and then you really didn't see much out of him. Uh, Jacob Bandis is learning the position still. Uh, Tule Latua Gasanoa was in just a little bit. You could tell he's start. He's he still needs to find his uh, game rhythm and and yeah. uh, just being in shape for the yeah. game shape. Stamina. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then, uh, I think Taki every week. Sam Taimani is getting better and better. Uh, Josiah Bronson had some good plays and he also missed some tackles. So I think I mean a C is average. I would say that overall from uh, how how rough it looked in the first half to still giving up yards, but bending but not breaking, I guess you could say. I'm going to go with an average score of C. Yeah, I like that grade. I'll give a B minus. I think uh, I think Sam Taimani played a pretty good game. I saw him get pancaked once or twice. Um, he's still really young, still kind of learning his body. He's a big kid. Yeah. Um, but Fatu Atele playing, getting some snaps – um Gassanow, I just th these guys are gonna be people eaters and I think for the limited reps that they got they played really well um again we're gonna talk about these guys but you kind of have to give a first half second half grade right first half they were getting pushed three four yards of the line of scrimmage second half they were holding the line of scrimmage at the line of scrimmage or pushing back so right. um <laughs> I'll give a C minus for these guys or a C plus uh, B minus. Um, I really like that group. Uh, where are we going next? Outside linebackers. Uh, B plus. I mean, uh, they played they, for both. They were the best position group in the front seven throughout the whole game. Missing Ryan Bowman hurt. Uh, you saw a lot of Savelle Smalls, and of course, you saw Zion Tupeloa Fatui, and uh, ZTF is an All American. I mean, what can you say about him? He is absolutely just destroying um, tackles on both sides. Uh, one thing that won't show up is uh, if you look at 
um, Sabelle Small's line. Uh, he had five tackles on the day. Yeah. He got held. Uh, he probably had two tackle for losses that um, he just got straight up pushed in the back. Yeah. And uh, it was really frustrating. And we, we try to do our best to stay away from referees on this show. Cause you know, everybody talks about how bad the refs are, whatever. Um, it, it, the blatant holds and the blocks in the back that the Utah the yeah. offensive line was able to get away with was really, really maddening, especially for somebody like Savelle Smalls in his third game as a collegiate player to uh, just be abusing these guys and not getting uh, any calls throughout the entire day was, was frustrating because they some of them were on big plays. There was a third down where he just got shoved in the back up to the ground when, you know, he's going to blow that play up. It's uh, I, I think they played – really really well uh having uh ryan bowman uh out of the rotation i think hurt because he is really a steady presence there um but when you're getting held and pushed there's a reason why that's illegal because it's not fair right yeah i noticed that a couple of times i was talking uh to my family and i was like dude did you guys see that holding they're like no and i'd go back and i'd show them they're like well they didn't call it man i mean nothing you can yeah. do about it. And I was like, dude, it's pretty blatant, like three plays in a row. Come on. Yeah. I mean, we're also lucky that ZTF wasn't arrested for uh, attempted manslaughter on that. Right. Line. Oh my gosh. Uh, ZTF alone gives the outside linebackers an A he's got in three games. I think he has seven sacks, uh, four forced fumbles and three, yeah. Of those turned into fumble recoveries, he now has a fumble recovery of his own. So you're probably right with an A. Those guys played really well. I mean, I, if it's not for those guys, we we don't win that game. Uh, oh yeah. You, you said it best. ZTF is an All American. He's his his numbers are amazing. He and the the crazy part about it is. Could you imagine what he would have been able to do against like Sacramento State and Eastern Washington and those pre-conference games that were just picking these guys apart and ZTFs just out there just manhandling everybody and stripping literally every ball carrier ever? He'd have he'd have twelve sacks right now so far in the season and maybe he more. He wasn't supposed to. He was going to be in the rotation. I know he wasn't he, supposed to be the guy. Joe Tryon. Joe Tryon, Tuli, uh, uh, um, Latu. Yeah. Those were your starters, and Ryan Bowman was the third. And ZTF, we taught, we all we thought he was going to be was he was going to set the edge on runs, and we right. were dead wrong. Well, and he's making it real easy for us to forget about Joe Tryon. And I mean, if, Joe, if Joe Tryon's here right now, I don't know if Joe Tryon. I don't. Not that's that's wrong. I don't believe that Joe Tryon is getting the the numbers that ZTF is getting. I think Joe Tryon is a really good player, but ZTF is an on absolute fire pace right now for some incredible numbers for a really shortened season. He's at numbers right now that anybody during a regular season would be happy to have. Seven sacks, four forced fumbles. That's an incredible season for a lot of guys, and he's had that in three games. It's an unreal pace. It really is. I don't know if he's going to be able to keep that up because he's going to start. There was one play. He absolutely uh, – third or fourth quarter, he split a double team. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Stayed on his feet and still got the sack. And it was an incredible play. And that, that just shows play. the freak athleticism of ZTF to be able to split a tackle and a guard. Not a double team of a tackle and a tight end, but a – guard and a tackle to split them stay on his feet and finish the play is that's NFL you're ready right now and he can't go so thank god <laughs> so you know with with that um he the uh, Hallie Kakaha has the Washington record for sacks and it's something like 18 yeah which he won't get to but second is 14 I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe. He's got three to four game. No, he's, he's got four games to play. Because maybe. regardless if they get into that Pac-12 championship game, they will play a crossover game. Right. And, and that could actually end up being the Apple Cup. 
um, from what they've said. So he's got four games, and he's in three games. He has seven. Are you are you afraid of uh, Stanford's offensive line if they end up playing Stanford? No. Are you afraid of Oregon's offensive line? Yes. Are you sure? Have you watched them? Uh, that Oregon-Washington game hits different, doesn't it? It does, but objectively looking at it, that offensive line is young, and they have not been able to keep uh, – they're they not the Oregon offensive line that we saw last and they, year. And they lost Sewell. Of course. So, um, And then are you afraid of the Cougars' offensive line? Oh, less than I am of Oregon's. And then – Let's let or or USC. You know USC's got some. USC, yeah, a little bit. They have a, uh-huh. and, and just the way that they play too. That air raid's hard to get a lot of sacks in. Sure. So if if he goes yeah. in, if we do go into that Pac-12 championship game against USC, and he needs two and a half sacks, I'm worried that he's not going to get that. But have you seen who uh, I can, and I can't give credit because I didn't see who it was. Uh, there's been one bowl projection that's come out this week, uh, which we failed to mention that Washington is ranked 23 in the AP poll. Um, has them playing in the Fiesta Bowl. Against? Uh, BYU. <laughs> I can't. Oh, you gotta love it. I can't take this guy serious. I can't. If if could you imagine how many how many uh, sacks if we go to the we get against BYU if we go to the Fiesta Bowl and we play BYU Arizona's allowing fans. Do you know where I'm going with this? Do you want to mask make the, up? You want to make the drive down? Mask up, baby. Let's go. We'll see. We can just drive down. We'll scoop you, me, my dad, and your dad will scoop you on the way, and we'll just drive. 28 straight hours drive straight to the desert baby great let's go um wow we 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 have got way off the beach position groups let's finish this bad boy <laughs> linebackers um i give them a c uh i think that's really indicative of you got two grades out there you uh maybe a, maybe a c plus would be better because i think that if you take what jackson sermon did in the first half and the second half he's probably around a c minus yeah. um and I'm being generous uh, because of that first half was so bad. Um, obviously, Edifon, playmaker, stud. Ulufushio. Ulufushio. I'm actually starting to question if I had it right at Ulufushio. I've heard <laughs> Ulufushio a lot. So Everybody's changing. I don't know if I, I don't know what I don't know. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay, say with what I got because I think I, it sounds right in my head. And um, unless I get, uh, a correction from Edifon himself. I'm going to stick with it. Uh, but I mean, he's an A player. I mean, he's yeah. another one who's uh, he's going to be in the conversation for an, an all American team at some, at some point, if not this year. Sure. Uh, I agree. Um, I'll give them a B just because I average out uh, Edifon as an A plus. I mean, the dude's all over the place. He plays in the series. He was out uh, Utah marched for. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, the dude, dude, dude plays lights out, yep. um, and I, I give Jackson Sermon. I don't want to give him a D, so I'll give him a C minus, like you did, and we'll average out to a B. Um, cornerbacks. Uh, I'm gonna go B plus. Uh, I thought that there was some definite issues when it came to, and this is more coaching. Uh, there was some definite scheme issues in the uh, first half that really struggled, and Alex Cook let that guy get. Uh, loose in the secondary for that touchdown. The only throwing touchdown that Utah was able to muster, um, but it was, it was a broken play. It didn't look good. Yeah. Uh, you also saw Cam, Cam Williams play Cam a lot Williams, more in the second yeah. half. Yeah. He played, he played pretty well. Um, there was, there was still a play where he had a chance to make the play in the backfield and he didn't break down uh, and the guy was able to get past him. So uh, this, uh, but obviously in the second half, you know, Elijah Molden, Still, uh, you talk about Zion, you talk about Edifon. I, I, you still, I, he's still probably the best defensive player on that team. Um, he, he is just so good around the ball. The, the, the explosion to get in front of the, that pass and pick it off. You saw 
the NFL uh, gear. He just yeah. sped up, took it, and uh, really was a playmaker. And then obviously Trent McDuffie uh, playing. <laughs> Maybe I'm convincing myself there, Nate, because uh, you know getting the pick at the end, and then Kyler Gordon with just the monstrous hit on uh, on that freshman running back that jarred the ball loose. If you noticed after that, he didn't come off the field for the rest of the game. And let's let's not forget about the unsung hero too, and and Keith Taylor. I mean, dude, dude just keeps locking balls up. You know, nobody's throwing on him. It was so annoying because they did throw on him in the first series, and and he got caught. But you it was know, a nice. It was a nice defensive play. It was a perfectly thrown yeah, ball because he was, he was in he, perfect coverage. He was right there. It yeah. just dropped right in Any the. Any other Jake Bentley throw that's either pass deflected, yeah. incomplete, or a pick. When he threw that and I saw Keith Taylor right there, I was like, there's one. I thought I thought he had it there. Um, I mean, but KT's still, I mean, he's, he's, he's such so, a, he's so, so reliable and he, he hits, you love him. The thing you, you mentioned, Elijah Molden, uh, the thing I, I really admire about Elijah Molden is his tackling, his tackling behind and at the line of scrimmage. He is left on an island so often, and he doesn't get burned. There was a play, I was like, dude, Elijah Molden doesn't miss a tackle. And then they ran a wide receiver screen, and he's out there on an island. He grabs the dude's finger and pulls him. Oh, my gosh. He just pulled him down by his his hand. That's how good of a tackler he is. He was about to get ran over, and he's like, no, you're coming with me. Yes. (laughs) the dude does not miss tackles and I don't know how many points that guy by himself has saved already this season, mm-hmm. but it's gotta be, I he, he's had to have saved on plays like that where other guys will get burned for 10, 12, 11, 12, you know, yards like that. And he drops them before at the line of scrimmage. He's, he's a game changer in himself. So you have to give the cornerbacks an A. And to um, your point about him, he the thing of like instincts are off the charts for him uh, as a as a cover guy off the charts but what is amazing about him and he talked about it in his post game that you know it's it's prepare 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 and then let your preparation dictate you you know letting it all out and playing right. he knows exactly when to uh go for it and uh where some corners if they wait a half a second longer they get blown by uh he knows when to do that and he knows how when to break down and if he breaks down on you you're gonna lean forward for a yard i mean he doesn't once once you have it you're going to put a move on him he's down in his like defensive position you're done he's not gonna get past him you might be able to fall forward but that's it yep yeah that, that 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 plays over. If you see Elijah Molden one on one against you, not very often you're going to get by him. I think I've I seen can't think of once. any time off the top of my head once this year that yeah. he. But then he, I mean, and the thing is, is he, the the guy got around him, but then our defense swarmed behind Elijah, and it was still only like that's a the thing is play, he he know? makes you stop your progress. Yeah, yeah. that lets all 10 other guys yes. to come towards you. And once you're stopped your momentum in football, you're in real trouble because yep, exactly when those guys are moving, they know how to take routes, especially at the D one level. They're not going to take a bad route. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and that's where the gang tackle comes. I, okay. A plus. I love them. Safeties. Uh, I, I probably a C. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Alex Cook had some plays, but he also gave up some plays. Cam Williams also. And then Asa Turner had some uh, – he had some hits, but uh, you didn't – I saw him take a couple of bad routes to balls, too. I, I did, too. But, like, it's it's hard to say that because if you look at uh, at least the passing game, I mean, Jake Bentley only threw for 144 yards. Right. He had a touchdown and an interception. Of course, he ran for another, but um, – Again, there's there's not – it's a combination of there's not a lot to be had through the passing game against this Washington defense, but also Utah in the second half wasn't really that interested. Yeah. Um, Jake Denley only threw 23 balls, so, yeah. I mean – Yeah, I, 
it, for me, I found it hard. This was the hardest group for me to um, grade because there wasn't a lot of that, them being nope. shown, right? Uh, linebackers cleaned up a lot. You saw, especially in the, in the second half, you didn't have to see the safeties a whole lot. Um, I did see Asa come up towards the line of scrimmage a couple of times, and that's what I mean by taking a bad route. He kind of took a bad route to the ball carrier um, and just flat out get ran by. Uh, safety's got to be your last line of defense. You can't get blown by. You got to get a stop on the guy. Um, other than that, I, in the second half, you didn't really have to see them a whole bunch. They did their jobs. They didn't let anything over the top, which is what you want from this defense yeah. because all your talent is just – funneled up front and they're right. just going to stop anything in front of them. Um, so for that reason, I give them a B minus. Uh, yeah. Obviously the first half is a different story, but we don't need to talk about that. Yeah. So before we, we wrap this up, let's give your offensive MVP. Pretty obvious. I mean, it's gotta be Kate Otten, right? I yeah. eight catches, 108 yards, two touchdowns, game winning touchdown. Um, that's an obvious MVP. Let's give the secondary offensive MVP to Dylan Morris for being a redshirt freshman and being poised enough to be down 21 to nothing and come back and win a football game 24 to 21. So, so let's, and, and let's throw, do this since nice you just ball. took mine. You just, you just took my MVP. Let's do this. We'll agree. Uh, Kate Otten MVP. We'll say Dylan Morris, uh, most improved player of the game. <laughs> we, we we'll give him that we give awesome. him we give him the second half and now kate nod and have nope, the it's half kate MVP. <laughs> you're right uh defensive side mvp i think you're gonna take mine yeah yeah i mean it's kind of a three-headed monster it's kind of whoever you want to choose and um after our conversation it's got to be elijah Moulton. oh thank god you didn't take mine okay. i figured you were going the other one okay yeah uh yeah i'm gonna take ztf yeah. i mean and our conversation earlier about what ZTF is doing numbers-wise right now is what made me pick him uh, right. for defensive side MVP. Dude's on an unreal pace, and and you can't you can't go wrong with Elijah Molden either because he is constantly the second leading tackler on your team, right? Like obviously Edifon is your leading tackler. He will be every game this year, most mm -hmm. likely. Um, he's a good candidate for it as well, just because he just does his job every play. Yeah. But Elijah Molden does so many great things for this defense and gives this defense so many more opportunities um, to be great than he doesn't. So I, either guy really, I mean, Zion is kind of, he's really good at rushing the passer, but Elijah does a lot for this defense. So it's kind of hard to say, but I'm going to pick ZTF. Yeah. I mean, the other, the honorable mentions, obviously at Ulafushio and uh, Kyler Gordon and Trent McDuffie are definitely in that mix as well. Yeah. Um, final thoughts on uh, a historic comeback at Husky Stadium. Uh, uh, fun fact, Husky Stadium, 100 years old and one day yeah. uh, during that game. Uh, a historic comeback. Jake, parting shot. I uh, Watching that first half, my heart hurt. I was getting defeated I, emotionally. I felt bad for my wife because I was not there. Uh, we have two kids, not for that first hour because <laughs> I was gone. Um, second half, that was fun to watch. Uh, not only as a Husky fan, but as a football fan, those are the type of games that you really kind of live to watch for, right? If you're, if you're a bystander, that's not a rooting – you don't have a rooting interest in the game – you watch a team go down 21 to nothing and then completely blank out a team in the second half and come back on win on a last second touchdown uh, is a lot of fun to watch. So that's national recognition. And I, and I enjoyed that game. First half you lose 21, nothing second half you win 24, nothing. Unbelievable. You play four quarters. Yeah. Um, you know, I think this just, we've talked about how, uh, important this was for, for Jimmy Lake and, you know, you look around and you see what's going on around the program with some big time talent still available and watching Jimmy Lake, 
you know, you didn't get to see him a lot during the beginning of coronavirus. He, not a lot of interaction, um, not a lot of engagement, even with the entire athletic department. But you've gotten to see Jimmy Lake in his stone cold confidence these last three weeks, uh, backing it up, not only having fantastic uh, players and uh, talent all over his roster, but development, and then you saw the buy-in. How many teams in the country folded up down 21 nothing? All of them. How many teams folded up after – how many freshman quarterbacks folded up after a fourth-quarter interception? Yeah. How many teams folded up after that? Right. And they didn't. Yeah. This team has so much character – and they have they, – and the most important thing is they bought into what Coach Lake is uh, teaching. I think who said it best was Damon Heward. Uh, in a year where uh, our world has been turned upside down, being able to watch something like the Washington Huskies and seeing such a memorable game is something that's really valuable to everybody right now. And I think that's a perfect way to sum up um, what's going on and what we saw on, fr- on Saturday night. And not to get looked past, but Jimmy Lake did himself a huge favor after that game, showing his character in his press conference um, on the field, having the excitement and the emotion and talking his guys up the way that he did and being as cool as he is, is only going to help him out. And as far as recruiting goes and his confidence goes yep. That was such a monumentum win for this program, for Washington to come back and win that game and and Jimmy Lake to be as excited as he was. I wouldn't be surprised if that game won UJTT. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, I mean, throw Mecca in there as well. I mean, you can see why these players want to run through a brick wall for him. And – being able to finally see what's going on inside of the uh, locker room. You can hear his speech on these kids' phones. You can see him going nuts for each other. Uh, who doesn't want to be involved in that? The, the players jumping up and down in the locker room and the excitement, the pure excitement that these players have. Who doesn't want to be in a program like that, right? You don't want to, you don't want to be a part of a team that comes off of a 21 down, 21-0 halftime deficit to go into the locker room like it's a business day, you want to have that excitement. That's what you play college football for. So seeing that and having that leaked is a phenomenal thing. That's new school football. And anybody that disagrees with that doesn't know football players today. And these guys want to celebrate and they want to win and they want to have fun. And that's what Jimmy Lake's bringing to this program. We're going to leave it right there for Trevor Mueller and Jake Grant. For more daily content, go to si.com slash college slash Washington. And our music is brought to you by Jacob Falkerson from the Other Side of It podcast. Go dogs. Go dogs.